Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to Episode 4 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. So today is a fun little holiday diversion. I'm going to talk about the Buddhist answer to everything. A big shout out to the co-hosts of one of my all-time favorite podcasts, The Dharma Realm, Reverend Harry Bridge of the Buddhist Church of Oakland, and Scott Mitchell, the Dean of Students of Faculty Affairs at the Institute of Buddhist Studies. I sort of stole the concept of the Buddhist answer to everything from their February 23rd podcast titled, the Buddhist answer for everything. I'll give their podcast another little twist by actually giving an answer. Have you ever seen that Liberty Mutual commercial with two young guys stuck on the side of the road with a flat tire? One of the guys is on the phone with his dad, holding some sort of tool that is clearly not a lug wrench, and says, don't worry, Dad, I know what a lug wrench is. And then he looks to the other guy and whispers, is this a lug wrench? And then the other guy looks a little confused, then clearly shakes his head yes and says, maybe, in a really good bit of acting that cracks me up every time I see it. So that is my Buddhist answer to everything. Maybe. I guess that wraps it up for this episode. No, okay. Okay, I'll go on. So as it is obvious now, I'm taking a little break, sort of a holiday break, an Independence Day break. Yes, Buddhists celebrate Independence Day. We're independent, independent from suffering, independent from uh, the troubles of our own minds. That's what we're working for here. But So I'm taking a little break from the Eightfold Path to Independence. Uh, for this and the next episode. <clears throat> but I plan on moving to the right intention, you know, the path two of, of the Eightfold Path in episode six. But right intention does frame this episode a bit because the Buddhist answer to everything has something to do with intention. Since generally we don't really know others' intentions, and most of the time we're really barely acquainted with our own, maybe seems like a really good answer when it comes to intentions. Intention is one of the conditions that contribute to the way things are. You know, in previous episodes, I talked about how things are not what they seem because things as such, quote unquote, things, all things that we think are real and grab onto as fixed, never changing, are not the kind of real we think they are. You know, I mentioned before that loose quote from the Lankavatara Sutra, things are not what they seem, nor are they otherwise. Which is really saying things are as we label them, and we label them as we perceive them at the moment. But someone else may perceive them in a completely different way 
and we also may very probably perceive them in a different way, at a different time, under a different set of circumstances. So, yeah, I'd call that a maybe. The other Buddhist answer to everything could be, hmm, it depends, which is a lot like maybe, right? You know, I got the idea um, for what I wanted to talk about in this podcast from all the times when someone asked me directly or asked indirectly in a Facebook post on some group I belong to or asked on the Reddit website, something like, what does Buddhism say about, and you fill in the blank, or aren't all Buddhists, you fill in the blank. It's generally about some social, cultural, or political hot-button issue. Like, what does Buddhism say about abortion? Or aren't all Buddhists vegan? Or what did the Buddhists say about same-sex marriage? Or smoking marijuana? Or something like that. I always want to answer, it depends. But I can't really say that. Because I don't want someone to feel like I'm being sarcastic or making fun of them or their question. It's a real problem to answer for all of Buddhism. And it's even harder to answer the questions to start with, what did the Buddha say about? You know, my first inclination to that, what did the Buddha say about? is to do a Sarah Huckabee Sanders impression and say, I don't know. We haven't discussed this directly. Let me check with him and get back to you on that. I have the same trouble with those, what would Buddha do? What would Jesus do articles? I do know that they mean well. I'm not being a wise guy here or cynical, but um, and I know they're trying to offer advice on the best way to you know, live in this confusing world. But the way I look at it, it is a profound oversimplification of those practicing the Dharma or Buddhism and those trying to live according to the teachings of Jesus. I will only speak for the Buddhist side of things today, though. The Buddha, like Jesus, is not exactly quoted, you know, like people in the news are word for word from a recording. What can be attributed to the Buddha is generally from the Pali Canon or the teachings of what they call the three baskets, one of which are teachings directed to monks and nuns. The others are his sutras or discourses. And the third is much more of a philosophical summary thought to be classified and put together by scholars. But all these baskets of teachings, these three baskets, were put together after the Buddha's death, even though it is widely accepted that his sutras and his rules for monks and nuns were committed to memory by his close followers and then therefore recorded. The words of Jesus were also written by others after his death. So, you know, this makes it pretty hard to be sure what the Buddha actually said some 2,500 years ago, let alone a bit sketchy to proclaim that any of it directly addresses 
any hot-button political or ethical question someone has today. You know, you wouldn't know it by glancing at social media. Have you noticed the Buddha may be the most quoted person on social media? Unfortunately, most of the quotes I see attributed to the Buddha on social media, you know, those written in fancy fonts over beautiful scenic photographs, those things, they have little or nothing to do with what the Buddha is recorded to have said, or even resembling the point of the teachings of the Buddha. Hey, you know, I'm all for kind of spreading positive messages to drown out the drumbeat of the doom and the sky is falling messaging that overwhelms us today. But really, just because it sounds nice and seems positive and uplifting isn't verification that it was something the Buddha said or something that is a principle of Buddhist practice. You know, there's even a website dedicated to, to, you know, debunking most of these quotes. It's called fakebuddhaquotes.com. And sometimes they even suggest that there is some truth to some of these quotes. But if you're one of these people that throw up Buddha quotes because they sound good and you saw them in a hurry and you didn't take time to check it out, please get used to checking it out. fakebuddhaquotes.com Sort of like you got used to checking out Snopes, you know, the urban legend debunking site before you, you know, put something on on Facebook about something blowing up because you touched this and touched that at the same time or whatever. One of the quotes they highlighted on, on the fakebuddhaquotes.com site is one that I actually saw on my Facebook feed recently. It said, love is a gift of one's innermost soul to another so both can be whole. Hmm. You know, I actually had a little talk with this post. Trying to calm myself down. I was tempted to comment, but thankfully I thought again. But just the mere fact that the phrase innermost soul was used should have been a tip-off to anyone who knew anything about Buddhism that this could not have been a real quote from the Buddha. I don't think the Buddha referenced anything like an innermost soul at any time. Actually, the Buddha, you know, remained silent on pretty much all the big questions. Like, is the self eternal? Is the universe eternal? Are you, the Buddha, eternal? Will you exist after death? You know, we've already talked quite a bit about the discrete discrete existence of self and things. Actually, we talked about the fact that there is no discrete existence of self and things, enough to know that the Buddha could not have answered this question with the questioners hoped for definitive yes or no answer. Because nothing is definitive, right? To question whether self or things are eternal or infinite is sort of like asking if the horns of a rabbit or the lips of a chicken are eternal or finite. 
if the Buddha said you were eternal or he was eternal, then that questioner that asked the question would have grasped at everything being real and existing forever, which then would have increased that person's suffering rather than decreased it, which was the Buddha's path. If he tried to answer in all the detail needed to explain what he personally was enlightened to, then he was pretty sure his questioner, his audience, wouldn't understand or worse, would misunderstand. So obviously the most skillful means would be to not answer the question or use my answer. The subject of today's podcast, maybe. You know, the Buddha taught for 40, 50 years, something like that, from his enlightenment to his death. And the way he taught was by taking answers to people's individual questions. This meant that some of the teachings of the Buddha over the decades contain what appear to be conflicting answers. This is because he gave answers to individual people based on what they wanted to know at the time and based on their level of understanding. The Buddha did not stand there and like proclaim doctrine. He's much more of a counselor. As I mentioned earlier, the closest we have to a canonization of the Buddhist teachings are the Pali Canon that was put together after his death. And there is some debate that there are recorded teachings of the Buddha from even earlier documentation than the Pali Canon. So there really isn't a single dogma that explains the teachings of Buddhism. And there really isn't a single Buddhism or Buddhists that all practice the same thing. You know, there are, I don't know, there could be hundreds, many anyway, different Buddhisms over the multiple, multiple traditions, you know, schools, lineages across the globe. And each of these have different teachings and practices. And no, we aren't all caricatures of grinning, vegan, pacifist liberals who practice meditation. There are schools that don't practice meditation at all, or at least don't emphasize meditation, like Jodo Shinsu, which is a school that I'm associated with. Not entirely, but uh, partly. So Buddhism is conceptual and experiential. Remember that, experiential. It does not have a singular ruling body or organization or authority. And no, the Dalai Lama is not the head of, quote, Buddhism, unquote, like the Pope. So the key here is that is, I'll repeat it again, experiential. You must practice to find out the answer. You must apply it to understand it. You know, I can't speak for Buddhists. I can only speak for me and for my understanding through my practice of the Dharma. You need to ask the questions of yourself and find your own answers, right? You know, I think most of the time, though, when people ask 
these questions like, what does Buddhism say? Or actually comes right up to you and questions your own expression of Buddhism. They're looking to justify their own position on something like not eating meat or eating meat. Like, or actually who to vote for. That's another one. That's been big lately. You know, but like Timber Hawkeye of Buddhist boot camp fame says, quote, I often remind you that the opposite of what you know is also true to somebody else, somewhere else, because of their time, place, or circumstance. So if you are seeking reassurance that what you believe is right, maybe instead you should look inside instead of outside for some authority to back you up. Maybe you should also look to see if the opposite of what you believe is also true. Which brings us back to maybe, doesn't it? You know, the concept of maybe, the word maybe, puts certainty on hold, giving you time to find your own truth or find that another's truth is also true. The Buddhist path that I hope to follow is one where I ask my own questions while looking for my own answers with an openness and an expectation that there may not be any definitive answers. For me, the practice of Buddhism is about getting comfortable with uncertainty and sitting with your own questions. So that's it for episode four of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. But before I wrap up this episode, I want to thank everyone who has subscribed, downloaded, and shared links to my podcast, or subscribed to my email list through my website, and especially to those who posted positive comments and reviews on social media. I cannot express how honored I am to have all the positive feedback and enthusiasm. You know, I really love doing this podcast, but your appreciation is the icing on the cake. So check out my website, everyday-buddhism.com, for notes about the show and upcoming guests or topics. And please feel free to leave comments on my website or send me an email at wendyshinyo at everyday-buddhism.com to suggest subjects you'd like me to cover in upcoming podcasts, and I promise I'll do my best. And if you like what you've heard so far on the previous podcast, please subscribe, take a minute to review, so more people can find out about it. Thanks again, and until next time, keep making your everydays better.